everybody. Yes, we are here. <laughs> and I've forgotten what I was going to say. Usually you just say good morning. And welcome, everybody. This is this is Faith FM 87.6, 8718 or 88. You say? you say the same thing every single morning. And uh, this is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning. And you are with Art and... On. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Ah, oh, what a rough start to Monday morning. How are you, Lyle? Yeah, well, a little bit rough around the edges, yeah, it yeah. seems. <laughs> yeah. Did you even shave? <laughs> no, and there's an important reason why, but I won't go into it now. I'm just messing. I have a, I have a good I have a good excuse this time. You're practicing for Movember? <laughs> uh, well, um, yeah, you know, I could I could guess. You know, it's not that far away. My housemate's not shaving for two months after much peer pressure from the rest of us, and we're all very happy about it. Oh, really? Apart from his mother. His mother hates it. But yeah, he's doing a solid effort. He's like already a beard stage. He's only been yeah, like yeah, two, yeah. weeks. He's, he's got a thick beard. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be like a full Moses mm-hmm. in a couple of months. Yeah. Really looking forward to it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> good morning, Tom, if you're listening. Uh, what are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? Oh, let me think. What can I be grateful for this morning? I am grateful for tractors. Really? I thought you were going to say boats. Nope. Nope. So how come tractors? Because we went to a tractor pull yesterday and tractors are just cool. What on earth is a tractor pull? You've never, you have, Mon, you have never been to a tractor pull. Clearly I haven't lived. This is the ultimate in motorsport. Really? Really? Absolutely. I, call up and tell me if that's true, please, because I'm not sure. No, seriously, the, 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 the greatest motorsport ever is, is, uh, is a tractor pull. So what happens? Well, you got a big, you got a big, uh, you got a, a sled-like thing, right? And yeah. it has wheels at one end, uh-huh. and a weight. This had uh, two tons of water sitting on the wheels, right? Yeah. And at the other end of it, there's a there's a, a sled thing that just sits on the ground, just a piece of you know flat steel sled that sits on the ground. Yeah. And when you tow it, the weight starts to move forward from the wheels toward the sled okay. end. Mm-hmm. So it gets harder and harder and harder to pull. Mm-hmm. So you hook your tractor up and you see who can tow it the furthest. It is amazing. It is so much fun. You have no idea. It is such a do thing to do. Just to see whose tractor is the toughest. It goes to show that there is nothing that men will not compete over. I thought, I thought you were going to say that you hook two tractors up and then have to pull each other and see who wins. Like take a war. Yeah. That'd I've ne- be fun. I've, I've, seen, I've not seen that at a tractor pool. Anyway, great show coming up for you today. This is a reminder. You are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the Tune In radio app. Well, early in the morning, about the break of day, I ask the Lord, help me find a way, help me find a way, to the promised land, this lonely body, needs a helping hand, I ask the Lord, to help me please, find a way, when the new day is a dawning, about my Pray to the Lord, won't you lead me there? Won't you guide me safely to the golden stair? Won't you let this body your burden share? I pray to the Lord, won't you lead me, please, lead me there? When the judge 
judgment come Find the world in shame When the trumpet blows Won't you call my name Won't you call my name When the thunder rolls And the heavens rain When the sun turns black Never shine again Never shine again When the trumpet blows Won't you call me please Call my name Welcome back, everybody. That was uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary with Early in the Morning. You listen to Faith FM. Mon is about to give us our first clue for the quiz. What have you got for us there, Mon? Uh, what book am I? Um, I'm going to say this is actually pretty hard. Okay. This is clue number one. This book tells that God made husband and wife one because he was seeking godly offspring, which is interesting. I think most of our offspring are pretty ungodly these days. Uh, <laughs> Two-foot terrors. So, we don't go with the obvious one then. Thinking, thinking, thinking. Give us a call if you think you know the answer. Lyle is way off. He thought he went with the obvious and got it super wrong. Yeah. Give us a call if you know the answer. <coughs> go to the other end of the Bible. The, no, but don't tell them that because you might be wrong because you don't know the answer. Um, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Don't take any advice from Lyle at this point. Um, or you can text your answer 0491-064-669. Correct answer will win prize. Or if you think you know what it is and you just want some bragging rights, give me a call anyway and uh, I'll give you those bragging rights. Foul show. Lyle, I'm having a hard time being grateful this morning. Oh, really? Why's that? I'm trying to, I'm trying to like be grateful in the face of adversity. I'm being a little bit oh, of a drama queen. You, 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 ha- you are facing adversity this morning. Well, my car's just... Cars fall apart. <laughs> your, your car. <laughs> so I didn't mention this last week on air, but uh, last. I can tell you exactly what is wrong with your car. Many things are wrong with my car. I don't think you even realise. It is the Elantra badge. Whatever, Trevor. Anyway, so last week. That's exactly what is wrong week with on your Thursday, car. Thursday, I arrived at work and uh, and I went to get out of the car, and the door handle, the interior driver's side door handle, snapped off in my hand, and I was like, "What on earth?" And, uh, and so I've had to like wind, wind the down window the window down and reach out and open it from the outside, right? And so, but then a day, and I was like, I can work with that. But then a day later on Friday last week, I was leaving work and I went to open the door and the exterior door <laughs> handle snapped. So now you're using the passenger door. And so, of course, no, no, this no, no, is wait, a three wait, door wait, car. Wait, 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 wait. So, 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 like the, 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 the exterior door handle, the, the flap is still there. It's just not connected to the pulley thing. So you can still, it still looks the same. It just doesn't have any effect. And so I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go to Bunnings. I'm going to get some glue. I'm just going to glue them both back together. And Bob's your uncle. So I go to Bunnings, right? And I buy some liquid nails, like the strongest glue I've ever purchased mm-hmm. in my life. And I get home from work on Friday. And so I glue them both together and then I don't drive it until Saturday night. And uh, the interior door handle just snapped back off again. So it was like nothing ever happened. I think I did mention this. And the exterior door handle? Yeah, I glued that thing shut. (laughs) (laughs) It won't even budge now. Like literally, like it's totally burglar proof. I can leave that thing unlocked. Ain't nobody getting in that door. Um, So now I, and I'm really annoyed because even though it had snapped on the outside, there was a little trick I could do to, to, pull it open that you showed me um, but now I can't even do that so now I literally am clamoring in and out the passenger side door which was fine until last night when I was fueling up at a really 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 busy petrol station and had to climb out the passenger door in my car it was really embarrassing <laughs> and then even more hilarious and then Lyle you know what the problem is Hyundai, Hyundai found the problem what? and they circled it 
What? So you can find it. So you can find it. What is oh, the Honda ha, ha. badge? <laughs> and then last night, and, and then on on Saturday night, coming home from really fun games night at Maitland Church, you all missed out. Because um, one of my headlights was dim, like wasn't really working, but then the second one went. And uh, so your one and only low beam has gone. Yeah, and so now I have to your drive around with me high beams on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like blinding. Okay, people that's a everywhere. really dangerous thing. Yeah, the I other know. one, yeah, I can let you get away with, but that one, no. I need, I, I need, I need to figure out how to. Change like is it, just, some, is it just, just like changing a light bulb? Grab, is that some, all gra- grab some light bulbs from your local um, auto parts shop. Bring it over to my place, and we will pop them in. Okay, thanks, Lyle. The door handle, yeah. It might not uh, be until now that Friday. It's <laughs> shut. So I, <laughs> we'll so just... I guess you know what I am grateful for. I'm grateful because this morning I got up, and um, by the time I was ready to go to work. It was light enough because we were heading towards summer. It was light enough for me to drive all the way here without my headlights because I was really worried. You know what's super cool about that, Mon? What? Is now you have a legitimate excuse to be here just before it's time <laughs> to start radio. Yes! I'm never <laughs> fixing those headlights. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, but but I, I am still grateful for the vehicle because it was... a It was someone has basically given it slash loaned it to me. Um and it is a very old car, and I, I did call it the unicorn car because for some reason it doesn't require inspection to be um, renewed to have the. I think, I think it's going to need. <laughs> yeah, I'm not telling nobody next time nothing. Around. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try and fix everything. So you know, you're not telling nobody door nothing. Handle. There is this thing called radio on. The way it works oh, is oops. that when you talk into oh, the microphone, is the mic on? Is it? <laughs> people all over the world hear what you're saying. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. So I'm trying to I'm trying to find the silver lining on my very cloudy car experience right now but I do love the little car and I'm very grateful to die who um who, who has given me use of it uh, okay Lyle really cool story uh, about a hospital who would yes. have thought good news coming out of a hospital okay um, so this is I mean as an architect you would have gotten probably quite a few crazy requests but these people asked um, architects to build a hospital and I've never heard of architects being requested this build a hospital that lowers blood pressure no really yeah wouldn't the architects have been like uh, we make buildings You're not, we're not a doctor um, but you know what they were like we're up for that challenge and so they decided to put their everything into it and, uh, and do a bit of research and find out how it is they can build a building that lowers blood pressure how do you reckon they did it Lyle I have no idea they let lots of sunlight in they basically built a forest-like sanctuary. And when I look at pictures of this hospital, do You want to go to hospital? I want to go to hospital. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> let me find a yeah. disease. Um, let so me ho- Google something and then I'll have it. Hospital environments can be really stressful for a lot of people. Um, you know, there's that weird sterile smell. There's the, you know, the pretty drab decor. There's the metallic sounds um, of medical equipment. It's not really comforting for patients or visitors. Um, and so they turned to greenery as a solution, and apparently it has just worked wonderfully. Uh, so this is the Cool Tech Poit Hospital in Singapore, and they use more than 700 native species of fag- fragrant plants and trees, um, which integrate, which they integrate into the structure and the surroundings of the hospital. Wow! Uh, so the Singapore-based design firm is CPG Corporation, um, and they're just. They wanted to create something that was soothing, that was uplifting, um, 
you know, and they, they access lots of studies that show that nature has been shown to have dozens and just does like scads of physical and mental health benefits. And so they decided to go with that. And um, this is a big hospital, by the way, 800,000 patients. Um, Whoa. Uh, since it's opened, Whoa. Yeah, in, a, in just a space of a few years. Um, yeah, and, uh, and it's actually funny because uh, the, the hospitals, apparently the hospital's lush greenery and peaceful ambience have made it a popular spot for students seeking a conducive environment. Can you, like kids just go to the library study, now they go to the hospital study. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they also did a couple of other other little things here and there, um, ingenious designs. So they made enlarged windows, right? So bigger windows, which is nice. Uh, they made spacious indoor layout, um, which improved airflow through the through the areas by twenty to thirty percent, which is huge because often that stuffy weird smell. Yeah, that's so right. So this like just you know gets a nice clean breeze going through. Um, and since this reduced the building's dependency on mechanical ventilation by sixty percent, um, the researchers researchers say the facility likely saves untold amounts of money in energy costs. So just creating a space that has a better breeze actually saves ventilation energy bill. Like, that's incredible. Um, they also found that success of the hospital's natural ecosystem is evident in the increasing number of butterfly species spotted on the hospital grounds. Um, so they used to only have three, and now they have 83. What? They spotted 83. And this is the cool thing, because it's not... It's not like just hospital workers who are spotting them. Like the patients have become part of this this whole endeavour because they're the ones who are out and about trying to find new new butterfly species. Um, the hospital has a volunteer-run rooftop garden, so they have a garden on the top, and here they plant, um, you know, less sort of decorative plants, but more uh, utility plants. They have a hundred species of fruit trees, fifty species of vegetables, and fifty species of herbs. Uh, all which are run by patients who are trying to get better. So getting some sunshine, getting some exercise, getting some fresh air. And then the harvest, it's all fed to the patients. So it's one one little ecosystem in and of itself in the hospital. So the patients and the volunteers are out there cultivating the um, edible plants, and they get harvested, and they go to the hospital kitchen, and then it gets served to the patients. Okay, I, I, I don't like to brag, but I'm going to brag. Um, one of the founders of our church, Ellen White, actually wrote a description of a blueprint for this model of healthcare about 150 years ago. Oh, did she? It's nice to see that somebody's eventually caught up. I wonder if they read her book and were like, let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. So this hospital, of course, has won heaps of awards for its design. Um, and I've never so much in my life wanted to break a leg and go to hospital. <laughs> <laughs> could be arranged, Mon. That yeah. could be arranged. <laughs> threatening me Lyle <laughs> this was recorded um, but yeah but this is in Singapore so yeah but they are they are now these architects because of their success they're looking to launch similar projects in Malaysia China and Pakistan and many other places around the world I hope they make it to Australia actually I'd love to see this happen I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every Every high and every low Remind
Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. Daigle with you say here on Faith FM. What do you got for the quiz today? The second clue of the quiz. Clue number two, you clue ready? Number two, let's have it. It's a quote from this book. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. 
Surely you must know this one now. Give us a call if you think you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. It's 1-800-324-843. Lyle has it correct. Uh, you can text 0491-064-669. Those are our digits. Do yourself a favor. Win a prize. Ooh, Lyle, getting all fancy with a chapter in the verse. No extra prizes for that. You realize that. <sighs> ah, well, there you go. Anyway. Um, okay, so news from around the world. Let's talk about what's happening around the world. Yes, um, Donald Trump is talking about buying some real estate. Nothing new about that. He's a great real estate investor, always looking for a good deal. There's, there's such a catch to this story. I can just see it. He's heading to Denmark. Oh. Thinking of buying something off the Danes. Okay. Yes. Is he allowed to? The world's largest island, Greenland. He wants to buy Greenland? Please, somebody stop yeah, the, him. The Danes aren't so keen on the idea, so it's probably not going to go anywhere. Wait. And he's probably going to be talking about something else when he gets to Denmark anyway, but... Wait, 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 wait. Denmark owns Greenland? Yes. I didn't know that. Oh, you learnt something new Does that morning. mean it's not its own country? Greenland is not its own country. Isn't it like, what, five people living in Greenland? Yeah, so what? <laughs> Maybe more than is that. Is this the same way the that Hawaii is owned by America? Uh, something like that, yeah. It's just wow! A, Learn yeah, something new uh, every day. I have to look it up. But does that mean that does that mean that Greenland's not a country? Because you know how you can't count Hawaii on your country list because it's America. Does that mean if I go to Greenland, I can't count Greenland and Denmark? It's only Denmark that I'm counting. You will have to research that one a little bit further. I'm a little bit disappointed by this news. Have you been to Denmark already? I have not. Well, then go to Greenland. But I want two. I want Greenland and Denmark. Yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah, what? Yeah. If I suck out on my list as two separate ones, no one's ever going to know. No one's so. going to know the difference. <laughs> so, yeah, stick it on as two separate ones. You'll be just fine. So, yeah, that's interesting. And you would wonder why. Well, part of that reason may be because Alaska uh, just recorded the hottest July on record ever. I want to guess what he's thinking. He thinks the whole thing's going to melt, and so he wants to hold it. And it's going to be full of resources, uh, full of, of natural resources. Of course. Yeah, he's and getting uh, in early. But, but like as if, like as if the Danes wouldn't be thinking the same thing, right? There's a gold mine up there. there. As, soon as, as soon as the place warms up and melts, there's a gold mine sitting there. I mean, it seems a bit horrid. Wouldn't you be trying to focus on fixing the problem and just trying to plunder? Well, who knows what they're all thinking, but this is what is happening. Um, the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration um, had re- recorded an average temperature across Alaska of 14.5 degrees, which is three degrees above average. That's actually quite significant. Okay. Um, and it breaks the previous record, which was set in 2004, by half a degree. Um, in Anchorage, the capital of Alaska, they hit... 32.2 degrees, hottest day ever on, ever recorded. Really? Oh, wow. 32.2. Ever. So, there you go. And, the, of course, the sea ice shrank to the lowest levels on record. It shrank. In, in, in fact, the ice in Greenland has melted so much that it's raised the level of the entire oceans across the entire planet um, over this summer period by half a millimeter. It's measurable. Serious? Wow. It's measurable amount. I've got to get to these places before they all melt, dude. I got. I haven't. Have you ever seen like a sort of icy place like that? No. Neither have I. No, I think the furthest from the equator I've been would be maybe Invercargill. Okay. Or Scotland. But I think Invercargill's further from the equator. Yeah, we need to go and visit some Arctic places. It'd be very cool. Let's do a faith of them on the road. 
like we did before, we could yeah. do Faith <laughs> FM from yeah. Greenland. Why not? <laughs> or Denmark, whichever it is. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, in other news from around the world, um, archaeologists in Jerusalem have just discovered um, evidence for the final siege of Jerusalem under Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king or the empire, the emperor of Babylon. And so if you remember the story, Nebuchadnezzar actually attacked Jerusalem three times in the first attack on Jerusalem. The Bible says that he burnt the gates of the city, he plundered the city, um, he placed the city in subjection, and he took all of the uh, nobility captive back to Babylon. So what did they found, the burnt gates? I haven't finished yet, never finished yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the second time he comes back under Jehoiakim, and uh, of, of course, you know the, the, the Jews rebelled against him, you know, and said to come back and take it again. And the third time they rebelled against him under Zedekiah, and he's like, okay, that's it. The Bible says, and it's interesting to read the biblical account and then to actually look at what they actually discovered. The Bible says that uh, the Lord brought the king of Babylon. This is from Second Chronicles uh, chapter thirty-six and verse seventeen. The king of Babylon against them. The Babylonians killed Judah's young men, even chasing them into the temple. They had no pity on the people, killing both young men and young women, old and infirm. And God handed all of them over to Nebuchadnezzar. The king took home to Babylon all the articles, large and small, used in the temple of God, and the treasures from from both the Lord's temple and from the palace of the king and his officials. Then his army burned the temple of God, tore down the walls of Jerusalem, and burned all the palaces and completely destroyed everything of value. Now, when the Bible speaks here about palaces, it's talking about the houses of the wealthy. Okay. And so all of the houses of the wealthy were burnt down. The walls were destroyed and the temple was torn down and plundered. Then after that, of course, uh, Jerusalem was inhabited by a mixed race of people uh, who later became known as the Samaritans or the Palestinians. Oh, that's where they came from. Yeah, that's where they okay. came from. This is a sort okay. of a mixed race. Yep. Uh, while the Jewish people were all taken into captivity into Babylon itself. So when the Bible says that he burnt down all of the wealthy homes um, that were there, you know, he left standing, you know, the, the, the poorer dwellings so that, you know, very uh, poor people could come and, and live there. <laughs> And archaeologists have just excavated a very, very wealthy home, um, Iron Age home. So it dates from the third siege of Nebuchadnezzar in Jerusalem. And the house has been burnt. Uh, there are arrowheads in it. There is um, all kinds of pottery and you know bits and pieces that have been smashed. So the whole place has been plundered and destroyed. Uh, there is evidence of violence, um, big layer of ash. And, of course, they found buried amongst all the ash some pieces of jewellery, which is actually very, very rare to find in these kinds of excavations because typically only jewellery that is lost and then buried very quickly ever survives because obviously the warriors want to go around and and collect as much plunder as they possibly can. And so what that has shown is evidence that the city of Jerusalem at this particular era was a very, very wealthy place oh. with some really magnificent buildings in it and you know magnificent homes. And this is one that has been burnt and destroyed and they've got the evidence of it right there. It's like, wow, this is, this is, this is straight out of the pages of the Bible. This is what the Bible said happened and, and, and we are digging it up. This is incredible. I think once uh, Faith of M has finished touring Greenland, we need to go see this excavation site because I super want to see this. Yes, 
One of the most interesting sites that I visited when I was in Jerusalem was a place called the Burnt House, and I Uh hope they do a similar thing here, where they actually take you through this house that has been excavated, and it is from the Roman destruction of Jerusalem. And they've pieced together the whole story of what actually took place in this home because, you know, they've got a spear there, they've got a body that was found there, they've got the pile of ash, they've got the broken pottery, and then, uh, and so they take you through and you tour through, you see all of the artifacts, you see where they were found, where they were placed, and then they recreate it on a TV screen for you, the actual events, you know, taking as it leads. I mean, you know, obviously they've had to, you know, uh, do a lot of colouring in to make bit it... A bit of movie magic. A bit of movie magic to make it work. Mm-hmm. But it it really brings... It's very, very powerful how it brings to life a story of, you know, tremendous tragedy. This was, once again, also a very wealthy home, um, part of the elite uh, inhabitants of Jerusalem. And, of course, they were fabulously wealthy at that period of their history. And so, yeah, it's always interesting when, you know, archaeologists are able to bring history back to life and you feel like, you know, you've been transported back two and a half thousand years and here it all is. It's just all happening. It's right there. It's like you're reaching back through time and actually touching historical events that we read about and often they just feel like, you know, a myth from the past. Fascinating stuff. This is Chelsea Moon and her band with Dwell in You. Oh, Dwell in You. Okay. If today lands I scatter If I sail to farthest seas Would you find and firm and gather Till I only dwell in thee I flee from greenest past 
That was Chelsea Moon with Dwell in Me. You listen to Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz, please, Mon. Okay, this book, or oh, what book of the Bible am I? This book was written after the Jews had returned to Babylon and rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem. Kind of relevant to our last uh-huh. um, news story. I was thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is uh, David Haupt, who we missed last week um, because I think David had come down with the plague. It seems to be going around oh, a bit no. lately. David, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hello. We're having a slight... Yes, okay, we can hear you now. Welcome to the show, David. Good morning to you, Lyle, and good morning, Monica, and your listeners. And how are, you, be back. how are you feeling this morning? I still have a bit of uh, the sniffles, but um, I'm back, and I'm uh, talking to you from Coonabarabran. Really? West cold, yeah. Oh, wow. You get a frost this morning? We had some frost, yeah. And uh, it just makes us aware that we're alive. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. What takes you to Kunabarabran? I've got meetings here. I ran some uh, some programs over the weekend in this area. Ah, fantastic! I well, have no idea what Kunabana, whatever it is, Kunabarabran. Yeah, Western New South Wales. Oh, it's okay. where it's very dry still. Yeah. Oh, okay. I right see. out there in the middle of the drought. David, what are we talking about? This we missed you last week, so this is our uh, this is our catch up interview. Um, and of course, David is a regular weekly um, presenter here on Faith FM. Um, David, where are we picking up the story? I would like to take our listeners back to where we ended off last week. Oh, sorry, not last week, our, our previous uh, session, where we spoke a little bit about uh, the impact of epigenetics. Monica, we still use your grandfather and you, uh-huh. and we indicated that when certain psychopathological issues takes place in a home, that we duplicate that into the third and the fourth generation. Now, epigenetics was just discovered uh, just the other day, a a few years ago. Uh, Initially, scientists, neuroscientists thought that it was spare parts on the gene coding. What they now know today is that it is an actual fact switches that switches on the the expression of our genes through the environment that we grow up in. So in other words, a child that grows up in certain emotional pain will in actual fact duplicate that and will impact to the third and the fourth generation. Now, our creator God knew about this all along because in Exodus chapter 20, we read in verse five that God will visit the iniquities of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. Now, if that is where we would stop, um, man, our case is hopeless. Yeah, we would be really um, concerned by that, and not not just about ourselves, but also we'd be concerned about the character of God. Yeah, but luckily that text doesn't finish up there. It says uh, that he will visit the iniquities of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation of those that hate him, but show mercy to thousands that love him. Now, we also looked at the impact of the Harvard Mastery of Stress Study that, in other words, the best predictor of what would bring major health challenges for a young man in his midlife would be the cold relationship with his father, uh, relationship with his father. In other words, 82% uh, potential to develop major health problems. When there was a cold relationship with a mother, 91%. When there was a cold relationship with both parents, 100% chance of developing major health problems. 
Mm, that's um, that's some pretty serious stats there, um, and it, now, it really does highlight the importance of the family unit, and exactly um, the importance of both parents being involved in raising a child. And therefore, the best gift that a parent can give their child is to love their spouse. Now. If that relationship can't be maintained, then at least to look for an amicable way in which uh, they can, for the child's sake, continue to build a relationship between them. Is there any research that has ever existed that has shown that a single parent is single parent home is better than a um, both both a child's you know biological uh, parents being involved in raising a, a child, obviously in an amicable environment. Just, um, I think last week there was some debate with some um, some educators around this point where some say that there's no such thing, you know, that it's better off. But I think the conclusion eventually came that there needs to be a significant person in a child's life. I would like to suggest that a child needs both parents Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because uh, if there's only a single parent, then there is lacking in a certain developmental phase of that child's life. Sure, sure. Yeah. The, the, the key focus that I would like to bring over to you people today and to your listeners is the issue of developing of self-worth. Now, a man by the name of DeVito, a world expert on self-concept and self-worth, says that our sense of self is developed by three major areas in our life. The observation that we make of how people interact and interrelate to each other. In other words, I observe how my parents is interrelating to my siblings. Secondly, the difference in the way that they are interrelating towards me. And thirdly, the interpretation and the evaluation of that difference and the meaning that it brings into my life. Those three things in combination develop my sense of who I am. Now, Lyle and Monica, right here, we we face a problem because if a parent is battling with their own issues, their own challenges because of their own development and therefore are unable to be stable in a relationship with their child, what is the message that is carried then over to their child? It would seem that the child would, would gain the message of having very little worth. That's exactly it. And that is what I battled with my entire life. Right. I grew up because that instills shame. Hmm. I observed the way that my parents related to my siblings. I, I, I observed how they related to me and I noticed the difference. And it was when I buried my mother just a few years back that I said to my siblings, now that we are orphans, I I only now have the courage to ask the question, was I adopted? Now, I I knew the answer. I knew intellectually the answer. But emotionally, I carried that question deep inside me for for much too long. Right. My eldest sister jumped out of her chair, shocked, 
she said, what? You too? And it was interesting in the observation of how parents dealt with us, that there was a different way in which they dealt with the elder sister and myself. Um, and, and therefore, I carried the notion of shame my entire life, feeling that I was defective. As, as a young boy, I used to stutter. As, as a young boy, when people walked through the front door, I used to run out the back door. Let me come yep. back to this for just a moment because you asked you uh, you asked your sister the your, your family the question was I adopted you mentioned that you knew the intellectual answer to that what was the intellectual answer to that I was not adopted but there was something in your mind and then and then and then it seemed something in your sister's mind that was prompting you to feel like maybe I was maybe I'm not a part of this family it was interesting after my father's death that um, when the will was read that my brother-in-law was mentioned, not my sister, and um, I was not mentioned at all. We are five kids, so uh, out of the five, only three were mentioned by name and referred to. Mm. So that is an indication, you know, of of what both of us felt our entire life. So, so this Dave, is the result of favoritism, basically. Dysfunction. Yeah. Yeah. Just say that again. Sorry. So this is favoritism as a dysfunction. Exactly. So when there's conditionality in our upbringing, conditionality in terms of the expression from a parent of love towards a child or acceptance or, you know, a sense of belonging, when those are those things are conditional, uh, then that child would grow up always questioning their sense of worth and value. The point, though, that I want to bring out is this, that we have... Without realizing it, we have made other unreliable sources the authors of our worth and value. In other words, parents come into the world with their own issues, exactly as we come into the world uh, with already being influenced by the, the struggles of our parents. My father was adopted, and when he eventually found his biological mother, she rejected him a second time. And right up to his death, he was grappling, grappling with those rejections in his life. But still, in my child mind, I made him the author of my worth and value. Mm. And thereby, I used a formula that says that if I can perform well enough, hoping that my parents can recognize that performance and they give me approval, then I know that I've got worth and value. Now, that really actually breeds addictions. It actually leads to performance and approval addiction. So, David, and you've obviously been able to make a success out of your life despite that brokenness. Lyle, I'm, I'm so grateful for what I've been through because it gave me a sensitivity and understanding for what so many people are going through. These are areas that we hardly ever speak about from a Christian perspective, but still it is something that holds so many people back. Because my question to your, to your listeners is this. Is it in reality unreliable sources that speaks into the life or is there someone that is more stabler, 
that can speak our worth and our value. I want to take your listeners back to the Harvard Mastery of Stress study, if I may, just for a second. Sure. Remember, we said 82% of those that had a cold relationship with their fathers developed major health problems. 91 who had a cold relationship with their mother. 100% those that had a cold relationship with both parents. But as the researchers scanned their research results, they came across something that they were not looking for. They found that there were some individuals that had all the negatives in their life, but none of the diseases had developed in their life. Oh, that's interesting. And they wanted to know why. Here is what they said. They said they found that the perception of love itself from someone other than the parent caring for for the subject may turn out to be a core vital psychosocial spiritual buffer, reducing the negative impact of stresses and pathogens. Pathogens is the disease-causing agents and promoting immune function and healing. This is a significant thing because other research shows that if we can only discuss, if, if one stranger in the community takes the time to connect and build a meaningful relationship with another, then that intervention and actually can change the trajectory of a young person's life. Now, that's that is absolutely it's profound. Very powerful. Furthermore, what would happen if I would discover that there's an eternal God out there that loved me with an everlasting mm, love, mm. who has had his hand on me, as Psalm 139 says, from that moment of conception. I'm, my origin might not be the ideal environment, but from conception already, God had already his hand over me, designed my life, and has planned for my life. David, that is an absolutely profound thought, and really what you have outlined for us is the ultimate solution to, you know, whatever brokenness it is that we are dealing with, you know, which is going to come through from our past, from our family, from our history, wherever it, from wherever it might be. David, thank, yeah. you for, just thank you so much for joining us this morning. You're welcome. That was David Haupt uh, joining us all the way from Coonabarabran this morning in Western New South Wales yeah, to bring us, us uh, about the healing power of God's love. The healing power of God's love and part of the reasons of why we are the way we are and where we get some of our brokenness from. This is uh, The Lower Lights with Just a Closer Walk with Thee.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education, designed for life. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. Great a 
Take and see. 